Hi folks, welcome to this week's podcast of the Finance Hour. This is our second part of Keep It Simple Stupid and we are talking today about the simple, humble term deposit. But it's not quite as simple as what you might think. We've got a fantastic interview today with Stephen Jewell who is the principal of a term deposit broker and hopefully by the end of the show today you'll have worked out how you can squeeze a bit more out of the term deposits you invest in. I welcome you to look at my website, www.adaptwealth.com.au, if you want to find out a bit more about me. Otherwise, listen to the show and enjoy. Good afternoon and welcome to the Finance Hour, whether you're listening live on Jair or indeed on our podcast. This is the show where we try and make sense of the world of business and finance and hopefully help you make better financial decisions. I welcome your SMSs and phone calls throughout the show today. The SMS number is 047 That's 47 and the studio number is 95680909. My name's Ruben Zelwa. I'm the financial plan and owner at Adapt Wealth Management. We're a boutique financial planning firm that work with business owners, professionals, and those planning for retirement. And the topic of today's show is Keep It Simple, Stupid, Part 2. So the first uh, part of this, you, hopefully you were listening to it last week, where we talked about uh, simplicity in investment strategies and whether or not that was better than the complex. And we had a great interview with Damon Gosen of Vanek, uh, who talked about exchange-traded funds. Exchange-traded funds are those listed uh, investments that basically capture an index market return. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I welcome you to uh, to listen to it. You can Google the Finance Hour and find a link to all the old episodes, or you can find the Finance Hour on iTunes. But today we're going to talk about another, well, kind of simple type of investment, the humble term deposit. It's a sort of investment that everyone knows, everyone would have had some experience with it uh, over the course of their life. And we often hear in Australia that we've got a love affair with property, uh, bricks and mortar, Everybody loves to invest in it, loves to own their own home. But I'd argue, if you look at the numbers, we've also really got a love affair with term deposits. And everyone talks about the banks and how nobody trusts the banks and the trust is at an all-time low and executives are taking high salaries. But we do trust them with our, our cash savings and our term deposits. And I think that's always been the case. It's perhaps even more the case since the GFC 10 years ago when the government basically put a guarantee, it was initially a government guarantee of up to a million dollars for anything you had in term deposits. They subsequently reduced that to $250,000. So that means if you're investing in a term deposit with a bank uh, and it's $250,000 or less, the government guarantee that. So it's almost like investing in a in a government sort of bond 
but you're um you know but you're getting probably higher rates because you get higher rates from the bank than what you do from the government but for all intensive purposes it is the same thing so how big is the term deposit market well we're going to be speaking with Stephen Jewell soon who's a managing director of a, a term deposit broker called Australian Money Market and I'm going to pose that question to him but just some figures which which I've found which may be relevant uh, we've talked on this show before about the self-managed super fund sector and how big that is. Basically, the self-managed super fund sector, there are around 600,000 self-managed superannuation funds and they have about $635 billion in assets. So that's a third of all super money in self-managed super funds. And the ATO give a report every year which says how how those funds are invested what percentages in you know in cash term deposits property etc and from the most recent one which i think was september of last year uh, the report showed that 25% of the money in self managed funds is invested in cash and term deposits so that's a massive 157 billion dollars that's in cash and term deposits just in self managed super funds and that's second behind shares so shares are uh, have about 30% of all assets in self-managed super funds and cash and term deposits are second. So that gives you some idea of how big uh, the market is. And if you look at uh, self-managed super funds by sizes, obviously self-managed funds come in all sorts of different sizes. There are, I think there are, they, on the latest statistics, there were a handful of funds that had more than $100 million, um, but that's certainly not the usual um, but when you look at the smaller funds, right, so those are funds between 100000 and $200,000, they have 48% of their money in cash and term deposits. So that's significant. As compared to 25% for the overall uh, self-managed super funds, the smaller funds have a huge amount of money in cash and term deposits. And the question is, is, is that a concern or not? Well, I guess... Whether it is a concern is the reason why people have that sort of sum invested in cash and term deposits. I think uh, it probably is a worry because a lot of people, you know, they decide to self set up a self-managed fund. Someone's got in their head and said that the super fund they're in is a rip-off and they should be taking control of their financial future, all that stuff. And then they go and set up a self-managed fund. They roll their money in from their other super fund, wherever it is. It's an industry fund or it's a bank-owned fund. And they set up a bank account and they put the money in there and then they leave it there. They don't get around to opening that brokerage account or seeing the financial planner. They just end up leaving it there. Maybe they put some money in term deposits. Um, And that's, I think, why it's such a high uh, percentage of those small funds in cash and term deposits. And I think that probably is a worry yeah, the the other side of that is to say, well, maybe it's on purpose, and maybe you know people want to be particularly conservative with their super. Uh, generally, if you're young, it doesn't really make sense to be conservative with your super because you know you you're going to lock in very low returns for a long period of time. You should be prepared to accept the volatility. Uh, of course, though, it's important to have some money in there because you want to provide some diversification if the share market dies. But I think it's um I think that is a worry that that almost fifty percent of money in the smaller super funds are in cash and term deposits. The, what about the banks? Well, the banks love their term deposits. Uh, effectively, 
you know, that's where the banks make money. What they pay, the difference between what they pay you on your cash or your term deposits and what they can lend their money out, well, that's the way they make their profits. So just as an example, looking at what that difference is between a term deposit rate, that's what the bank's paying you, versus, say, a home loan rate, which is what you're paying them for your home loan. So I've just got some rates here, which happen to be from Australian Money Market, and uh, we're going to talk to Stephen Jewell about it. But a five-year term deposit rate is about uh, 3.2%. That's the best rate you can get. The average is probably closer to 2.8. And the best five-year home loan rate is about 4.8%. So that's a a basically a 2% spread uh, of how the banks are making their money. Now, obviously, it's different for different types of loans. If they do personal loans, you know, they charge a hell of a lot more than 4.8%. For credit cards, they might charge up to 15%. So that spread is different, but um, depending on what they're lending the money for. But certainly, you know, getting good amounts of money in term deposits is really important for the banks, assuming then they can use that money to lend out at a higher rate. So, back to the investors. We're going to get Stephen Jewell on the phone very shortly. We're going to ask him about what investors should be looking out for when they invest in term deposits and how do they get the best rates. But before that, we are going to have a short musical interlude. Welcome back to the Finance Hour. Today is our second installment of Keep It Simple Stupid. And we are talking about what is presumably a fairly simple investment uh, that everyone's had some experience with, uh, term deposits. And we have now with us today Stephen Jewell. Stephen Jewell is a Managing Director of Australian Money Market, uh, which is a term deposit broker, uh, which allows investors to seamlessly transact with over 20 institutions, including banks and credit unions, and presumably find the best interest rates. Stephen, do I have you there? You do, Reuben. Nice to have you have me. Thank you very much. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Stephen, just um, before we get into it, can you just tell us a little bit about Australian Money Market? Uh, yes, okay. So Australian Money Market is an online term deposit platform. Um, we built it, we started 10 years ago. We built it sort of in response to the GFC when there was a lot of financial advisors had their clients' funds or cash funds tied up in managed funds um, yep. that they thought were safe that didn't end up always being that way. Don't um, remind me of that. Yep, no way. Bring back nightmares. It's 10 years ago, Stephen. That is 10 years ago. <laughs> um, and so there was a, a flight, I guess, of cash into turn deposits, especially yep. when the government came out and guaranteed them up to the million dollars back then. Um and so for advisors, that suddenly became a problem because you had 50 different clients all trying to do the same thing at the same time. Um, so I guess a gap in the market opened up, um, and we were there at the time. So we'd, we'd just been building it as, as that sort of all happened. So it was actually probably a little bit of, bit of luck on our side in yep. regards to when we started. Um, well, I should declare a conflict of interest. I actually do use Australian Money Market for my clients. Very um, good. Thank you. So perhaps I'm a bit biased. But, but do you just deal through financial advisors? Can investors go directly to you as well? Uh, we do have uh, some direct uh, clients, mostly through the self-managed super fund sort of area. Yeah. Um, because 
effectively 75% of our client base, even though it's through advisors, comes through self-managed super funds. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and we and we do we do have some, but we don't generally market straight to the direct world. It's something we are looking at. Yeah. Um, um, in terms of maybe through the accounting channel. Yeah. Obviously, that's that's a big sort of market for self-managed super funds, but. So people can people can go directly to if they, they want can, to, yeah, but it's just absolutely. not a big part. It's interesting that you raise the self-managed super funds. I don't know if you were listening um, before I introduced you, but I was talking a bit about the self-managed super fund market and the fact that at uh, September last year, the statistics were that roughly 25% of self-managed super fund investments were in cash and term deposits, Correct. which is about $157 billion. But yeah. what was even more remarkable was the fact that small funds between 100,000 and 200,000 have yeah. almost 50% of their money in cash and term deposits. Right. It's just mind-blowing. I mean, we it talk about a love a love affair with property, but yeah, you well, know, there's a love affair with term deposits. Well, I wish that I hope it continues. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, can you give us a sense for how big the term deposit market is? Be pardon, sorry. I said, can you give me a sense of how big the market is? Oh, I mean, it's you basically hit the nail on the head in terms of self-managed super fund area kind of there, right? So I think you know the last numbers I sort of looked at was there's half a trillion kind of thing in in self-managed super, yeah. Um, of which you know 25 to 30 percent sitting in turn deposits. Yeah. Um, look beyond that, no, I, I I I don't know beyond sort of the but you, yeah, but the I mean total numbers, yeah. Put it that way, you know. Yeah. Um, to be fair, we only really look at that because we only deal with advisors. We're sort of more in that kind of space where, um, you know, we mainly look at self-managed funds or, or, or family trust. I mean, the average, yeah. the average age of my client is, is sort of north of sixty. So yeah, that makes sense. Because when you get down, you know, I'm, I'm in my forties, and, and and people like me, we have mortgages, so Correct. we don't have stern deposits. So correct. But, we're we're on the other side of the ledger, basically, aren't we? That's right. <laughs> so, it's interesting to hear you saying that you were founded when the GFC sort of hit. It, do you see a big correlation between when share markets are struggling, there's a lot of volatility, and the money going into term deposits? Is there like a direct correlation? Uh, that certainly um, happened, I guess. Um, now, and it has been interesting over the last you know ten years because we first started. And the highest rate we ever saw, I think, was a Macquarie five-year TD at eight point eight eight percent. Oh my gosh, I remember that. Yeah, I actually remember that rate. It was to coincide with the Olympics. And they, yes, they had, and they had to get rid of it very quickly because yeah, rates were coming down, and we actually haven't had a rate increase ever since. So I'm wow. to see a rate increase in my business. That's um, phenomenal. And it'd be you know in in certainly if if someone had asked you know said to me ten years ago that that was going to happen, you'd, you'd sort of maybe think that the business wouldn't be that viable because rates going down, you'd think it'd not be great. Um, but it hasn't affected it at all. We've, 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 you know, done quite well over the years and it hasn't slowed down at all because rates mm. have been coming down. Um, and, you know, I, I, I guess that's because they still want the safety. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, so, and, and I mean... Not lose money, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the um, interesting things, and I get this question from clients, and I'm interested in your view as well, mm-hmm. is, is people will often say, well, you know, they'll look at what, what, what rate of 
time they'll go for their term deposits. And I'm actually looking at your rates, your latest rate sheet as we yep. go. So uh, I'm looking at like the one-year term deposit rate is 2.75%. Yep. Right, the best one. Yep. I can't remember who that's with. We won't plug the bank anyway because we can't give advice. Yep. Um, but the five-year, the best five-year rate is 3.2%. So that's 3.2% right. front end for five years. So people would be saying... Sorry? No, it's, it's not, not much, much of a spread. And people will be saying, well, why would I bother locking well, it away yeah, for that's five exactly years? That's what happens because we do very little money in the five-year term. We, we our, our two most popular um, term deposit terms are six months and one year. Is that right? By a mile. Now, yeah. again, we go through advisors, so that might have something to do with the advisor mm. being involved and wanting to actually speak to their clients rather than throw it in five years and not talk to them. Um, <laughs> but... That's an interesting business model, though, not to, talk, <laughs> to, to, to not talk to your client for five years. That's right. But, uh, and, and then, you know, it might also come down that, that they don't want to take the, the, I guess, you know, punt's a bad word, but the, the punt of taking that five-year chance yeah. where risk might be and then three years later being made to look mm. a bit wrong if rates have moved. If um, they've gone... Um but, they've gone down. But I mean, it's up. been a very flat curve for a mm. long time. Um, so just explain what that means by a flat curve. Flat curve. It just means that the, the range of rates between short term and long term yeah. have been, you know, quite steady. And mm. the reason that is is because the market believes rates aren't going to move too much over that time. Right. You know? So if the market thought that rates were going to go skyrocketing up anytime soon, then your five-year rates would be better. And it's interesting that, isn't it? Because as I say, the other side of the coin is, is you know, people borrowing money. So the people borrowing money, you'd probably say, well, the majority of them have got that sort of variable rate as opposed to locking in for for five years as well. So you've sort of got, you know, both the investors and yeah. the borrowers are sort of like to keep the flexibility. That's right. That's right. We just don't know what's going to happen. Mm. I guess there's so many things going on in the world now and whether that's just because... We know about it more, or whatever. But yeah, we just there's just more. But but there are times though, uh, there are times when you know you get a you get a very good pickup for locking a, for longer term, isn't there? Like this is just a time where you don't. But there are times when you Correct. do. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely, and you know, and it can go both ways, right? Because if you locked into five years of Macquarie, eight point eight eight. You would have been very happy. You'd be laughing, yeah. And when you came off the five years, you would have been very sad because exactly coming back in at three. Yeah, so um, you, you're, you're that's that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because your income could literally more than half. That's right. Which is that's a massive right. issue, particularly as you're saying, if a lot of the clients are sort of in their sixties and they're relying on it, like that's a massive issue. Yeah, that's that's very very true. Mm. Um, but I think that's. Generally, why we've yeah we haven't seen just to go back to sort of your you know your volatility around when markets are doing things and whether you know, we haven't really seen any great volatility in our existing client base of you know pulling money out of deposits into anything yeah. it's not that we'd see it but yeah yeah it's it's all remained quite stable and mm. whether that's a, more a, a consequence of market conditions or just sort of. You know, demographics. You just yeah. a, a, an aging population who have yeah. made their money, I guess, and just don't want to lose it. So yeah, they'll you know happily just be in a tan deposit, no matter what the rate is. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that I also talked about before is, 
you know, the government guarantee that, you know, applies at $250,000. So mm-hmm. when the GFC first hit, the government guaranteed all these termed, all, all you know, investments with banks at for up to a million dollars. They subsequently reduced it to 250000 yeah. But that government guarantee, that doesn't just apply to the major banks, does it? It applies across... No, it applies to every institution in Australia that has a banking licence, effectively. Uh, they're called ADIs, or Approved Deposit Institutions. It includes all the credit unions, all the building societies, all the banks. Yeah. Um, certainly all the institutions we deal with are covered by the government guarantee, and therefore we have plenty of clients who do split their money you know, if they have a million dollars they'll have four different deposits in four different banks and that's to keep it all guaranteed and that works yeah um and in fact from that respect and again i know you don't want to plug particular banks but we the banks we give the most money to are more the sort of mid-tier level guys who constantly or, or, or consistently have higher rates yeah um still have an okay rating but they're not the big four um, we'd, you know, we give some money to the big four, but there's there's just way more in the in the in the guys given the higher rate. Certainly, rate is a is a is a bigger thing, I guess, at the moment than and, and the government guarantees the reason for that. Obviously. Yeah, so it's really like it doesn't matter which yeah bank or credit union you've got your money in, you know, it, it's all the same in a way because the yeah, government's backing. Okay. I mean, it's untested. I'm not going to mm. say we all know what happens if one falls over. Whether you get your money back tomorrow or a year later. Mm. Um, so that's that, that's a bit untested, but certainly it, it's given people the ability to happily choose whatever they want. It's interesting because that was going to be my next question: is like even like do people still like the names? Do they still feel more comf- comfortable with CBA or NAB or Westpac than they do with a I don't know with a Community First Credit Union or a Members Equity? Uh, I, I guess that comes down to the individual. I, yeah. I, I, I think from our point of view, it's lessened by the fact that we do deal through advisors. So if you've got the advisor saying, hey, we use AMP or ING or Rabo Direct mm. or one of these banks, um, and, and you know, we like them and, and, and we're happy to use them, then that sort of flows through. There's a bit of a trust there that that's okay. And it is yeah. Um, and if I had more data from a direct point of view, I guess I could probably make yeah. it a bit better to say, do direct people stick to the the big four? But um, yeah, that's a really interesting. Certainly, one. from yeah. our experience, we have, and I'm just trying to do numbers in my head very quickly. But we probably have only about maybe twenty percent of the funds under management of Australian money market in big four. Really, that that actually that really surprises me. Yeah, because I would have thought that people were even. You know, the government guarantee they still prefer to see a, a big bank on their statement yeah. as opposed to a. Small one, but as you say, it's maybe it's more sophisticated because they've got advisors. And they, and they, I guess, in a low rate environment, there's a, you know, the, the, suddenly the, the the thirty basis point different, point mm. three percent means a bit more between yeah. two point four and two point seven versus six point four and six point seven. Yeah, well, the, the, I, I guess if you think about it, though, like that's there, that's people going through a term deposit broker in the. In the broader market, though, the the fact that people bank with CBA or NAB, their major banking's there, means they've got a massive advantage in terms of attracting oh, term deposits. And that's why we exist, because we make it easy to move between banks. So, yeah. effectively, you, you go into our site and you can you, know, you might have a term deposit at a particular bank and it's maturing, and if there's another bank down the road that 
you can get 0.2% better and all you have to do is hit a button and move it. Yeah. It's pretty easy to do. Um, yeah. If you've got to go and you know drive around the streets looking for a bank and then bring in all your identification yeah. documents and move it all. It's just a pain in the neck. It's a pain in the neck. So. Yeah. Look, the other the other thing which is interesting, um, it's probably been around for 15 years plus, is these mm-hmm. high-yielding sort of at-call cash accounts. Yes. And sometimes you look at these and you think, geez, I mean, the return they're giving is not that different to like a a one-year term deposit. I mean, I'm just looking at your sheet here Correct. and there's, there's some which are paying up to like 2.4%, you know, at-call. Um and you think to yourself, well, why would you bother with a term deposit? Well, I mean, I've got my own opinion on that. Yeah. Um, but we, we, we do a lot of it. So we do um, we do offer some call rates that have honeymoon rates, and we, and we monitor them, and we make sure our clients know when the rate has dropped from the honeymoon rate down to the base rate. Right. And because, and because we do that, and because obviously we're a broker who makes it easy to move, then all that money usually comes back out of that call account and it goes somewhere else. And so I guess that flies in the face of the whole purpose of the honeymoon rate of trying to get people in and then hoping some of it will stay around once the rate drops. Right. So how long do those honeymoon rates typically last uh, they, for? Between four and six months, the typical right. ones. Um, and it's more only for new clients, so it's a way of... Um, you know, getting new clients in, but again, because we deal through advisors, I mean, most of those banks that put on those honeymoon rates, it's a way of, you know, getting new clients in the door. Hopefully, you'll keep a few, but also you'll be able to sell them other products. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, also they're hoping, as you say, that you hold on to it beyond the yeah. honeymoon and you just but, accept you know, the lower rate. Don't really want that. Advisors don't want banks trying to. Um, you know, sell products directly kind of thing. So so it doesn't really work in the broken mm. world. Although we have plenty of money in with them. Um, but, you know, certainly from my point of view, I'd rather it if they just had a decent rate at call all the time mm. as opposed to a honeymoon rate. As, as opposed to these um, honeymoon rates. And I guess people, um, I mean, people sometimes do it online themselves as well. Those sort of honeymoon yeah. rates are available available online. But as you say, if you want to keep getting it, you've got to keep... Keep moving around. You've got to keep sort of shifting around. I'm going to run out of banks. I mean, it's you know the whole idea of the rate is to is to it's a lost leader to get clients in, and hopefully you keep yeah. some. Yep. So in terms of your process, then, mm-hmm. um, I mean, so it doesn't really matter which bank you're dealing with. So if clients need to go through just a process with Australian Money Market. That's right. So we have an onboarding process, yep. which is, I guess, similar to opening up a new account with any bank, right? Because we yeah. need to have all the same information that a bank needs. Um, I guess the only difference for us is once you've done it once, you never do it again. Yeah. You've effectively opened up an account with every bank that we deal with, which is 25. So um, once you do that once, you can move it between the 25, you know, by hitting a button every right. time it comes up for maturity. So that's that's our main, you know, sales proposition, I guess. Yeah. And... and uh one of the questions I know our listeners would have is, do you, are you able to get better rates than what you know, clients could get directly with the banks? Uh, yes, it's, it's, it's a hard question to answer because sometimes yes, sometimes not. Yep. Uh, we have certain banks that give us 
you know, certain rates on even certain types of entities. So sometimes we get some banks come out and say, here's a special just for self-managed super funds. Really? So we're trying to, you know, get some money in that way. Um, but in general, we have probably half the book is with banks that pay us on top. So it's the same rate whether you go directly to the bank or via us. Yeah. So it's effectively free to the client, I guess. Um, for the others, the rates in our site um, are shown with our fee already taken off. Yep. Um, we, we take a standard 0.1% off our rates. That's what we generally do. Yep. Um, and so, you know, I think you know, if, you, if you go into an ANZ branch and see a special of 2.4%, then usually you should go into our site and see 2.3%. Um, but as I said, it's not always that way. We sometimes yeah. have rates that come out that, you know, certain people are chasing or whatever. But, the, not but the real benefit is is that, I mean, you get to compare a whole lot of rates. And so yeah. even if the ANZ and one was... choose the best of 25 every time we come up. So, yeah. you know, if we, if whenever I do the numbers of sort of saying, hey, let's look back two years and go, if you stayed with one particular bank, mm. would you ever be better off? And the answer is no, because, you know, rarely does one bank have the best rate in the market for two years straight. Yeah. You know, they yeah. all come on sometimes and need it, and then other times they don't, and the rates come off. So, It's a really, it's an interesting point you said there before, that sometimes the banks give better rates for an entity like a self-managed fund. That that surprised me. Why would they care, you know, who's investing in, as long as they're getting the money? What difference uh, does it make? No, I guess because they look at the numbers and they, there's different sort of, Runoff profiles, or you know, so people, so they look at a whole group and go. Yeah. Self-managed super fund is, is is generally a stickier. Ah, I see. You know, kind of money, so that they might therefore want to pay a bit more for it. Um, you know, sometimes it's more just about um, competing on our platform almost because they look at it and go, someone else has got a higher mm. rate, and if they want to get the money, that's what they got to pay. Mm. We are effectively a cheap. Uh, Term, I'm not saying term deposits are cheap funding, but I'm saying as a channel of term deposits, we are quite cheap because we generally give them perfect data. It's, you know, we just, yeah. you know, they put a good rate up and we hit them with lots of money and yeah. they're happy. They haven't got branch costs. They haven't yeah. got advertising. Um, so that and, could be a reason. And in the 10 years that you've been, um, you know, in operation for, mm-hmm. have you seen as a competition amongst the banks for deposits, has it... Has it generally hotted up? Has it? Has it? Have, have have clients been beneficiaries, or has it gone the other uh, way? It goes through cycles. I mean, certainly it's hotted up. In, yes, it's hotted up in general because the new uh, capital adequacy requirements of banks was to have more retail funding. So that's one of the outcomes of the GFC. Yeah, uh, banks generally funded themselves using wholesale funding, so large licks of of you know billions of dollars from one entity sort of stuff and that suddenly basically dried up yeah and one of the problems that the world found not australia is actually um quite um well hidden from it um for various reasons but you know all of a sudden there was a there was a, a an emphasis on banks having their own retail funding so that mm. when things blew up like the gfc you didn't suddenly have all the money pulled out from under you yeah so yeah. That sort of scramble to change the balance sheets of banks to have more retail funding basically meant that the, the, 
the, even though rates came down, the spread between a cash rate, you know, the cash rate of 1.5% at the moment and TDs of 2.7 for six months, it's almost twice the cash rate. Yeah. Um, so the spread between what you get for keeping your money there for six months between cash is actually, you know, widened quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, which I guess has made turn deposits more popular. Yep. All right, Stephen, look, um, thanks a lot. We're just, uh, we're starting to run out of time, but but no, just uh, one last question to wind up. Where can people find out a bit more about Australian money market, apart from asking their, their very valued and highly qualified, trustworthy financial planners? Um, otherwise, our <laughs> website is nice and simple, moneymarket.com.au. Um, and you can find all the contact details there. We're very happy to talk to anyone. Terrific, Stephen. Thank you very much for your time. Um, it was some great insight. I certainly learnt uh, a fair bit out of it, and I hope our listeners did too. No problem. Thanks and look f- look forward to speaking to you at some point in the future. All right. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you. That was Stephen Jewell, the Managing Director of Australian Money Market. We are going to take a short break, and we'll come back with a wrap-up. That pretty much wraps up our show for today. Now, we're going to be taking a break for a few weeks, J-Air is relocating from our auspicious uh, surroundings here in uh, on Dandenong Road. We are going to be moving to uh, close to Caulfield Park. Not that that's going to matter for the listeners so much where we are, but the point is that we will be off air for a few weeks. So this is the last you'll hear from me for a while. I hope you, um, if you haven't listened to some previous episodes, you can certainly find them. Uh, You can either Google the Finance Hour and find links to them via the Omni site. Uh, Or if for those of you that use iTunes, just search the Finance Hour. Thanks very much for your time. I'm Ruben Zelwa and I look forward to seeing you again in a few weeks' time.